Resurrection morning. Um, just want to share a couple of things with you. Uh, we are starting a new series next week called Collision, and we're going to take a look uh, at the book of James. And everything that James writes is so amazing, and it's uh, just right in line with everything that we're going through. It's so uh, useful in our life. So we're looking forward uh, to jumping right into uh, that series next Sunday morning. Uh, I I'm so glad that you have joined us. And uh, we're going to be looking this morning at uh, a resurrection story. And, and we're going to focus in on that uh, last I am that Jesus lays out for us. Have you ever just met someone who just seems to have the absolute best comebacks of all time? It, it doesn't matter what happens. That they, they just Somebody says something sarcastic to them and immediately sarcasm just comes right back. Um, it's one of the things that uh, I get in trouble for a lot is using my sarcasm. But um, one of the ones that I found was Winston Churchill had some of the best one-liners ever. Uh, one time, the American socialite Nancy Astro was invited to a dinner party held by Churchill, Churchill and she became annoyed with him. And so she just blurted out, Winston, if you were my husband, I'd put poison in your coffee. Unaffected by her sudden outburst, Churchill quickly replied with an unforgettable comeback. Nancy, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. Now that's not exactly the type of comebacks that we're going to talk about here this morning. I, I instead want us to focus on the comebacks that often follow a setback. Everybody loves a good comeback story. I mean, we love to watch a movie where everything just seems down and out and everything's horrible, but then all of a sudden there is just this great comeback that happens. It, they give us hope. They bring us hope. Here's the thing. One of these days, right now, we have to meet online and you're sitting in your living room or sitting around the, the kitchen uh, table or um, it, it's not as warm today, but you could have been sitting out on the, the front deck watching this. But one of these days soon, we're going to be coming back and that's going to be one of the greatest comebacks as we see churches all around the world coming back together and meeting in person. Uh, and, and that brings us hope. That gives us hope. I mean, how many of you like the Rocky movies? I love the Rocky movies, not all seven of them or eight of them, whatever there are now. Um, I like one and four. Those are my uh, best ones because there's just this great comeback. It seems like it's no way that Rocky could possibly make it through what he goes through. And so in the very first one, he's able to overcome uh, and then that brings us such great hope. And then in the number four, um, you know, it's him in Russia. He has to defeat Ivan, and, and there's no way. And, and Ivan says, I will break you. And, you know, we know that what's coming there. But then all of a sudden, Rocky makes this amazing comeback. Bethany Hamilton, she was just 13 years old when she lost her left arm when she was surfing, bitten off by a shark. And after a month of medical operations, she returned to surfing. She relearned how to surf with just one arm. I mean, a pretty cool comeback. And then I also think about my Buffalo Bills. Went to four straight Super Bowls. But number three is the one that's most memorable for me because they were playing against the Houston Oilers at that time. 1993, playoff game. No way they could ever make the comeback. 
Jim Kelly, awesome quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, didn't play that game. Frank Reich was leading the Bills. They were down horribly. 32-point comeback, takes them to their third Super Bowl, and yes, they lost again. Yes, they lost to Justin's Cowboys. Yeah, I hear you in the other room. Comebacks are possible, though, and they happen all the time. I heard just this last week uh, a good friend of, of mine, um, her grandfather, 75 years old, diagnosed with having COVID-19. No way. But yet, I got a call earlier this week. Hey, my grandpa's weak, but he's recovering and he's doing good. There's always comebacks. There's always that opportunity for that to happen. You've had an, a setback at some point in your life. And here's the thing. If you're in the middle of that setback right now, you have the chance to have an amazing comeback. You may think it's impossible. You may think that there's no way. But I'm here to tell you that there is that opportunity. So how do you take your setback and make it a comeback? That's what I want us to look at. That frames everything that we're going to look at for the rest of this morning. You know, we've talked about several of these comebacks and, you know, I searched all over the interwebs. I was looking for, for two of the greatest comebacks in all of history, yet I didn't find them in the top 10 of anyone's lists. Two of the comebacks that we're going to talk about this morning. Number one, the one that we're going to focus in on is found in John chapter 11, and that is the story of of Lazarus. Lazarus coming back from the grave. And then the all-time comeback story. Jesus put to death on the cross, just beaten and nailed to a cross. And there was no way that he should have ever been able to come back from that. Yet it was his power. And we've talked about that. God gave him the power to lay down his life and to take it up again. It was his power that resurrected him from the grave on that first Easter Sunday. So here's the main idea today. Because Christ came back from the dead, he can turn your setback into a comeback. We're going to focus again, John chapter 11, and we're going to learn about a man named Lazarus. Lazarus became very sick, and Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. And Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, very close with Jesus as well, and they had spent some time in Bethany. And Mary and Martha are considered are considerably worried about their brother. He's been sick, very sick. And so they send word to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you need to come and you need to heal. You need to heal our brother. We know that you can heal him. And yet Jesus chose to stay where he was. They had hope in Jesus. And this is the jarring response we get in John chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
I mean, it's crazy to think, right? I mean, we, we've seen the power of Jesus. We've, we've heard Mary and Martha knew the power of Jesus. Lazarus knew the power of Jesus. And why would Jesus not just run to heal his friend? Why did he purposely wait two more days? Well, in the meantime, in those two days, Lazarus dies. You see, decisions are very deliberate in this chapter. We're going to see faith flourish in the midst of all of the mess. I'm reminded that this is the real world where lives are suddenly interrupted by the great enemy of death. We live in the real world where life tragically ends way too soon. What I want us to do is I want us to look at the five stages of Mary's spiritual journey. And then how do we apply those in our lives? How do we take our setback and turn it into a comeback? Let's look at Mary's life. Let's flash forward to John chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So, let's look at the very first thing. State your comeback. State your comeback. You see, when Martha heard that her brother Lazarus had died, she was gripped with grief. Verse 19 tells us that many people came to comfort and to console her and her sister. They had gathered in the house. They were all around. This scene is one of, of weeping and, and wailing. Um, see, in the first century, they would actually pay wailers and mourners to come in, and, and they would be paid to grieve with the families. Not just come, you know, today, whenever there is a funeral, we come together for that funeral time but then it's after that funeral time that we go back to the church or to someone's house and we sit down and we share a meal and we have that time of comfort in those moments. And that's somewhat of what happened here, but people would wail and mourn along with them. Friend, if you're upset today, it's important that you let it out. Don't hold it back. Whatever you have that is creating your setback, let Jesus know. Don't hold it in. Let it all out. Express your feeling to God. Here's the thing. He can handle it. He can handle your pain. He can handle the suffering that you're going through. I mean, let me just give a couple of these in your life that maybe you're dealing with. Maybe you've had a, a relationship that has ruptured. It's left you lonely with the feeling of abandonment? Are you struggling with sin that you just can't shake? Is there an addiction in your life that you just can't break? Let Jesus know. Cry out to him. Let him hear your pain and agony. Maybe you're overwhelmed at work right now. It seems like you've had to carry on uh, too much of the burden of what is happening in all of this. Maybe you wish you had work because with everything that's happening today, there's been a lot of layoffs. 
And, and I want you to know, not only can you cry out to God and let God know that, if you've been laid off or if you have lost your job, I want you to know that you can comment or you can call the church. You can contact me personally. We'd love to help you out. Whether it's finance, financial, whether it's with food, whatever it is, if you need something right now, if this is your setback right now, reach out to us. Let us know that's who we are as a church. We want to help. Maybe you're stressed about school. You're stressed about what all of this means right now. I, you had that opportunity to get that scholarship, but now you can't maybe improve the grade that you needed to get that good scholarship. You, you, you're, you're concerned because you were going to have a scholarship to play that spring sport, yet spring sports have all been canceled. You're worried of what graduation is going to look like. Will I even be able to start back next year? What's going to happen? Maybe that's your setback. Give it over to God right now. Maybe something's happened in your life and it has caused you just deep embarrassment. You have shame in your life. Give it to God. Is it debt? Do you have debt in your life and that is causing deep discouragement? Has someone close to you died? Are you feeling the guilt of grief because in those moments you didn't ask for forgiveness or give forgiveness and now you have to hold on to that? I want you to know that whatever your setback is, you need to give it over to God. You just need to state it. You need to let it out. Let God hear it. Maybe it's quiet in your room. Maybe it's stepping out into your backyard and just yelling and screaming. Whatever it is, let it out. First thing you need to do is to state your grief. State your setback. Do it now. Don't wait. But then the second thing that we see here comes from John chapter 11, verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. The second thing that we need to do is get close to Jesus. We need to get close to Jesus. Have you made your choice? If not, today needs to be that day that you can make that choice. You can stay where you are in the midst of your grief and your pain and your suffering. Or you can take a step towards the Savior. Verse 20 tells us about the decision that Martha made. She could have stayed in the house, yet she chose to get up out of that wailing and mourning and the grief that she was in and start working her way towards Jesus. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Even before Jesus had made it into the town, she heard that Jesus was coming and immediately she went out to meet him. Wherever you are right now, will you make that step towards Jesus? Don't stay where you are. Move towards Jesus. Maybe you're not really for sure what Jesus can do for you. You've just kind of tuned in and, and, and you saw somebody share this link and you're like, I don't know much about this Jesus and I don't know what all of this is. I want you to know that you can hand him your setback. 
and you can take a step forward towards him today. I encourage you, get close to Jesus. Seek him out. And when you do, you'll find what you've been looking for. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Now, when you move towards Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're going to have all of your questions answered right away. For some of you right now, you want to get yourself ready. And so before you come to know who Jesus is, you feel like you need to know everything about the Bible. Newsflash, I've been doing this for 20 plus years and I still don't know everything. I still don't have the Bible completely memorized. I still read scriptures and I go, what does that mean? I still am researching and trying to understand it. Don't think that you need to have everything answered and everything right. Don't think you have to clean yourself up in order to meet Jesus. Just take that first step in coming to know who he is. God wants you to come as you are. If you want to come back, start by stating that setback and then get close to Christ. Number three, tell him your hurts. Tell Jesus your hurts. When Martha got close to Jesus, she communicated her complaint directly to Jesus. Look at verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I mean, I, I, I can just see her just stomping towards Jesus. She's upset. She's grieved. And she just looks at Jesus and she just starts kind of wagging that finger. And she says, Jesus, if you would have been here brother, he wouldn't have died. I suspect some of you right now are asking some of those if questions as well. If only I had done this. If only I had done that. Well, if this would have happened, and, and we do all of these different things, and I want you to understand that asking questions to God isn't a bad thing. Having those if thoughts in your mind isn't a bad thing. You see, when you've been rocked by the crushing waves of the circumstances that are beyond your control, it's okay to ask those types of questions. We ask these questions because we think somehow that maybe if things had worked out a little differently, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in right now. Others of you are, are blaming God. And, and, and as we look at this, we have the if questions and we have the blaming all in this section here. Lord, if you had been here, and now we get the blaming, it's your fault, Jesus. We knew that you had the power. We have believed in you. We have heard your teachings. We have seen you do all of these amazing miracles, and yet you let our brother die. I thought we were friends, Jesus. Yet you let my friend you let my brother die. Lord, if you had been here. It helps to know that Jesus can relate to our pain because I want you to look forward to verse 33. After Mary registers a similar complaint to Jesus, we read these comforting words. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And just two verses later, in verse 35, we have the, third, we have the shortest 
verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus knew what he was about to do. In verse 43, we're going to talk about this uh, at the end of the message. But in verse 43, he's going to say, Lazarus, come out. He's going to call Lazarus back from the dead. He knew what he was going to do, yet he was greatly moved. You see, Jesus understands your pain. Jesus understands what it is that you're going through. You are not alone in your agony. Jesus loves you more than you know. If we backed up and go back to verse 3, we read, He whom you love is ill. And in verse 5, we see that Jesus loved Martha and her sister. In verse 36, after Jesus wept openly, people remarked, See how he loved him. Verse four, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 tells us that Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. Here's the thing that we have to understand. Jesus knows what we're going through. Those things that I mentioned just a little bit ago of, of losing things in your life, having pain in your life, Jesus knows. That's why he is able to be our suffering servant. That's why he's able to be our high priest. It's why he's able to be our sacrifice because he knows he was completely human. He knows our pain. Because Christ came back from the dead, he can turn your setback into a comeback. And that leads us to number four. Learn who the Lord is. Learn who Jesus is. I want you to notice what happens. It's not until after Martha states her setback that she gets close to Christ and she just lays her pain and her hurt out to Jesus that Jesus actually talks. He listens. He takes it all in. He doesn't look at her and say, Woman, do you know who I am? Don't you know that I'm the Messiah? I'm the chosen one? Don't you know what I'm about to do? I'm going to raise him back from the dead. It's not what he does at all, does he? He lets everything that Martha has, he just lets her get it all out. Don't be afraid to be real with God. He can handle your honesty. He can handle whatever words you throw at him. He understands pain and anger. Let it all out. Give it over to him. He can absorb our attacks. And he'll speak truth into your troubles. But first, you have to communicate to him. You have to let him know. Verse 23, Jesus replied, Your brother will rise again. Now, Martha gives the correct Sunday school answer. But she lacks a linkage here. She understands it here. Yes, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day, verse 24 says. But it really hasn't really registered with her of, a, of what's about to happen. You see, she understands this with her head. But it hasn't filtered all the way down to her heart. It went from here to here, but it had to process through her heart before it could really come out. Maybe that describes you today. You have a spiritual acquaintance with Jesus. 
You kind of know who he is because you've heard your friends or your co-workers talk about him and you've decided to come this morning and tune in with us because again someone shared it with you and you kind of know who Jesus is and, and and you know about the Easter bunny and you know about all of the the the, the chocolates and the Cadbury bunny and, and you know all of that but you're really not for sure exactly who Jesus is maybe that's describing you here today I want you to know that you can know him personally you see, once we see who Jesus is, it, it's not difficult to truly believe in him. Erwin Lutzer put it this way. We do not need a Savior who can just help us. We need a Savior who can resurrect us. We do not need a Savior who helps us with life and when it gets tough. We need a Savior who can help us when life ends. I love how Jesus intersects him Self into Mary's theoretical theology. Look at verses 25 through 26. Jesus looks at her and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Literally, it says, I, even I, and only I, am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You see, Jesus is moving Martha from an abstract belief about something that was in the distant future to a personalized trust in himself. Who alone can raise people from the dead? All other religious leaders are in their graves. Muhammad, Buddha, all other leaders who thought that they were going to be something great. Only Jesus resurrected people from the dead and then resurrected himself from the dead as well. It is only Jesus that could give this comeback to Mary and Martha and to us. You see, Jesus is also, as we've looked at all of these I am statements, all of them are in the present tense. Jesus says, I am. Not I, I will be or I was. He says, I right now, in this very moment, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is not just an event, but it's a person. There is no hope for a comeback apart from Jesus. And Jesus makes it very, very clear that it is only he that can give this. He is the one that can make all of this happen. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the great shepherd. I am the gate, or I am the door. He says, I am the alpha and the omega. Right here, he tells us that he is the resurrection and the life. And he doesn't just give life. He is life. John chapter 1 verse 4 says, in him was life. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 14 verse 19. Because I live, you also will live. Because Christ came back from the dead, he can turn your setback into a comeback 
Now let's look at this final point. Boldly believe and receive Jesus Christ. Jesus' question to Martha is the same question he's asking you right now. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? The word believe has much more than just an intellectual element. In the New Testament, faith, trust, and belief all come from the same general root word, meaning to lean wholly upon. This is kind of like when we lay down on a bed. Um, think about those. If you've ever seen somebody that, that you're like, how in the world do they not get impaled if they lay down on a bed of nails? Well, one, they do it very, very cautiously, but also they distribute their weight out across all of those nails. They don't try to lift their shoulders up. They don't try to lift their legs up. They lay their whole body down upon it. And that is exactly what we are called to do here. The belief that we have, the faith that we have, the trust that we have in Jesus is that we lean wholly upon his name. After declaring that he is the resurrection and the life, Jesus drives this doctrine into Mary's or Martha's life and into ours. He takes from people, whoever believes in me, which is everyone, and then he becomes very personal as he looks intently into Martha and he says, hey, do you believe this? He's asking you right now. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? I love Mary or Martha's response in verse 27. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus is waiting to hear you say those very things as well. Jesus is waiting to hear you say that, yes, Lord, I believe. Have you ever said that to Jesus? When, Mar when Martha said yes to Jesus, she wasn't just nodding her head passively. She wasn't just going, yeah, Jesus, I, I think I believe. I, I have some positive thoughts about you. She was making a strong affirmation. Yes, Lord, I believe. And after all of this, she had boldly believed and received who Jesus was. It was then that Jesus goes and he says, hey, take me to where Lazarus is. And the girls say, Lord, he stinketh. Lord, now I don't think you want to go in there. And he says, no, take me. And Jesus, he weeps. But then he straightens himself up. And then he cries out. And he says, Lazarus, come out of that grave. You see, Jesus called him by name because if he had not just said, if he would have just said, hey, Lazarus, or if he would have just said, hey, come out, everyone would have arisen from the grave at that moment. But that wasn't what he was doing at that moment. He was calling specifically to Lazarus. And he's calling specifically to you as well to believe and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Paul Tripp summarizes it well. He says, if Jesus defeated death and the empty tomb, 
tells us that he did, then there is no dark thing in your heart that he is not able to defeat. He has come back from the grave. That's why we have come to celebrate this morning, on this Easter morning, on this resurrection morning. And so we're now going to take the opportunity to partake of communion. And I hope you have your elements, whatever you have chosen this morning. Some of you sent me all of the different things that you chose to use last week. Remember, it's not what the elements are, it's what they represent. And it represents Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We're reminded that he lived a human life. He went through everything that we went through. We see right here that he had emotions. He was sad. And he saw the pain that everyone else was going through. On Friday night, we talked about the pain that he went through to go to the cross for us. That he was buried, but then he resurrected. And so we partake of the bread and the juice. We, we take those emblems to remember what he did for our sins. He died so that we may live. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are able to come into your house. We thank you so much for the gift of your son that he lived the life that he lived, that he performed the miracles that he performed, that he spoke the words that he spoke. But more importantly, we look to the end of his life because it wasn't the end. He went to the cross for our sins, but he didn't stay there because Sunday was come and has now come and he resurrected from the grave. And Lord, we are so blessed and we're so thankful for that. So, Father, as we take these emblems, let us remember what he did. Let us never forget what Jesus did for us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.